Hello and welcome to the What Women Want Today podcast. You might be asking yourself right about now, well, what do women want? I mean, we're pretty complex creatures, right? Well, I think we want it all. And I'm here to explore it with you. My name is Terry Kellums. I'm your host. Go grab your favorite beverage. I've already got my glass of wine and let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the What Women Want Today podcast. I'm your host, Terry Kellums, and I'm so glad to be here with you today. Honestly, today's episode might be one of the more difficult ones to talk to you about, mostly because it's such a big topic and we could go in so many different directions. But today I'm going to keep it fairly simple. So here's my question for you today. Would you consider yourself an overthinker? Well, overthinking can be defined as when what you think gets in the way of what you want. Have you ever had someone say, hey, I saw you driving this morning. I honked and waved at you, but you didn't seem like you saw me or heard me. I will joke sometimes that I am oblivious to things going on around me. I get so wrapped up in my thoughts. I have also been known to say I am seldom bored because there is always at least something to think about. So today we're going to talk about recognizing and managing some of this overthinking. And I'm going to give you some practical tips on calming your mind and slowing down the habit of overthinking. In 2005, the National Science Foundation published an article summarizing research on human thoughts per day. It was found that the average person has about 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts per day. Of those thoughts, 80% of them were negative and 95% of them were exactly the same repetitive thoughts as the day before. We can see that the, one of the tendencies of the mind is to focus on the negative and play the same songs over and over again. And I like to call this being stuck in your story. There was another interesting study done in 2005 by Cornell University, and the scientists found that 85% of what we worry about never happens. And secondly, with the 15% of the worries that did happen, 79% of the subjects discovered that they could either handle the difficulty better than they expected to, or that the difficulty taught them a lesson worth learning. The conclusion is that 97% of our worries are baseless and result from an unfounded pessimistic perception. So how do all these thoughts work for us? Well, I'll give you the definitive answer. It depends. (laughs) So this is where our discussion begins today, because it can be hard to recognize our thoughts. There is some debate on whether or not we can control our thoughts, and my belief is we need to step back a little bit and understand them a bit better before we decide we can control them. So if we understand from the studies that 80% of our thoughts are negative, and that about 95% are repetitive, 85% of what we worry about will never happen, and 15% of the worries that do happen are manageable and that we can actually learn from them, well, that leaves us with the question of, Where are all these thoughts coming from? So remember, we all have a belief system that has filtered in from many sources over the years. If you're about my age, these may be some of the ideas that have filtered into our beliefs over the years. Let's see if you recognize some of them. And before I begin, let's just say, thank God, most of these have changed. (laughs) All right. So boys are better at math and girls are better at reading. Women are better at raising the children and men go off to work. Women cook, clean the home, and men take care of the yard and the vehicles. 
women are more nurturing than men. Men are brave and women need to be protected. Men are better at business or finances. Girls get babysitting jobs and boys get newspaper routes. Nice girls don't sleep around, but boys are just sowing their wild oats. Women don't ask for what they need because that's selfish. Okay, toss in some religion, race, and political beliefs, and we get fed a lot of things that make up our belief system. But it really doesn't stop there because we also have trauma. And let me show you how your thoughts filter through trauma. So growing up in an abusive home, I learned to be invisible. Being invisible was what you did to try to avoid being the center of the abuser's attention. Therefore, hopefully not being the subject of the conflict. Now, over time, being invisible turns into being unseen. And eventually, I'm not important, which is another way of saying I'm not valuable. And when you don't feel valuable, you feel rejected. And then you tell yourself, I'm not enough. So when you don't deal with the trauma, you carry that into your relationships. And when your loved one or partner does something, you're running that through your trauma filter. He's late because he's not paying attention to me because I didn't get invited to be on the team because he's looking at other women because I didn't get chosen for the job because she canceled our plans together because see what the brain does is a thing called cognitive bias. And basically, it takes your thoughts and beliefs and seeks out further information to support them. So if I continue to believe that I'm not important or valuable, every behavior is potentially proving to me that I am correct about my thoughts and beliefs. Ugh, exhausting, right? Okay, now what can we do about it? I'm going to give you five things. Number one is to become aware of your thoughts. Create some space for yourself to be more present and aware of them. In his book, Soundtracks, John Acuff says, you can ask yourself three questions. Number one, is it true? Number two, is it helpful? Because even true things are not always helpful. And number three, is it kind? Is what I'm saying to myself something I would want to say to a friend I wanted to remain friends with? We need to break the pattern of the self-defeating thoughts because the brain loves to believe what it believes. So it's always looking for information to lock that thought into our thinking patterns. Now this does take some practice, but after a while you will realize that you have thoughts, but you are not your thoughts. All right, number two, be curious about them. What's prompting this thought? Let's say your closest friend has been distant lately and you're feeling unimportant. And then when she doesn't answer a text promptly, and when it finally comes, you feel like it was a little short. Ask yourself, what does this mean? You might say, oh, I've done something to upset her. But go a little deeper and say, what else could it mean? It could possibly mean she's concerned about something in her personal life that she hasn't wanted to share yet. Be aware that your beliefs and unresolved trauma and how they shape your thoughts can help you change the thought patterns. You don't change a thought like you change your outfit when it doesn't feel right. This is a process that takes time. 
And I'm a believer that lasting change doesn't happen fast. It's slow change over time. I heard once that you can't quit a bad habit, but you can change one. So a close friend of my husband and mine has decided he wants to make some lifestyle changes and lose some weight. He's been having some health issues and he has just decided enough is enough. This is some advice for him and for anyone. If you tell yourself that you have to give up a bunch of things, you'll go into it feeling deprived. Instead, replace something. So for example, instead of having a Coke with every meal, I am going to have sparkling water with lime. Sometimes we just need to reframe a thought a little. Okay, my third suggestion on how to deal with and find peace with your thoughts is acknowledge them. Simply say to yourself, there's another thought and let it go. Don't stop to judge them or try to resolve them. Just simply realize and acknowledge it's another thought. Now, my last two are pretty widely talked about, and I hope you won't dismiss them because they might seem trendy, but they are meditation and affirmations. The meditation and breath work will really help you to become more present. Most people breathe very shallow, and learning how to breathe correctly really creates a feeling of calm and peace to your nervous system. And this practice will help you become more mindful. And affirmations, I really feel so strongly that the best way to start your day is speaking affirming thoughts about yourself and your life, and it sets the tone for your morning. So your thoughts affect our mood, and then the way we act, which reinforces our thought patterns. If you're familiar with Bob Proctor, he famously quoted the phrase, our thoughts become things. Ah, so if this is true, friend, then don't we really need to take extra care on what thoughts we want to give our attention to and which ones do we let go of? One of my favorite cheeky quotes is by Dr. Daniel Amen, and he said, you don't have to believe every stupid thing you think. (laughs) And I will say a quick thank goodness for that. If you have thought about meditation and don't know where to begin, I have a couple of suggestions for you. One is simply to take 10 minutes out of your day and head outdoors. Just leave your phone behind and use your senses to help keep you present. As I'm recording this, it is fall in many parts of the country. And so you can notice the changing of the leaves. If they fall into the ground, notice the sound of them as you walk over them. If it's damp, notice the smell of them. Are there birds flying nearby? Are they making sounds? What plants can you identify? What noises are present that you usually just dismiss as background noise? As you walk, be mindful of your breath. Okay, and my second tip is yoga nidra. If you've never heard of it before, I'm going to recommend you go out to YouTube. You can find a ton of different videos in all different voices and links and for different purposes. Some will be for afternoon energizing and some will be to help you calm yourself before going to sleep at night. And my, you know, my advice to you is to find one that is short to begin with as you get used to the practice and just make sure that you enjoy the person's voice or you won't stick with it. (laughs) 
Or your other option is you can send me an email at terry at terrykellums.com and I will send you a recording that I've done to walk you through a practice. Just make sure to put in the, in the subject line, practice. Of course, I'm always a huge fan of journaling, but if you decide to do this, it does need to be done with honesty. And I say this because I used to journal thinking someone might read it and I was afraid that my real feelings would cause conflict. But honestly, if someone is inconsiderate enough to read your journal, which are your private thoughts, then I hope they are also prepared to deal with everything that comes along with that decision. Okay, friend, our time together today is coming to an end. And I know it can be hard to find fulfillment or purpose when we aren't aware of how our thoughts are working against us. I hope what I've shared with you today leads you to, leads you to more self-awareness of your thoughts. And I will leave you with this Buddha quote. Nothing can harm you as much as your own thoughts unguarded. Until next time, friend, please take good care of you. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation as much as I did. If you'd like to continue the conversation, come on over and join our private Facebook group, What Women Want Today. I'd love to hang out with you some more there. Any resources mentioned in today's episode will be in the show notes. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at What Women Want Today Podcast or visit my website at whatwomenwanttoday.com. Please remember to subscribe, download, and share. Leave me a review. It helps other amazing women find the show and become a member of our community. One last thing for you today. You are not alone. You are worthy of love and a fulfilled life. Now it's time to go after it.